Welcome to the TPS 5 for the week of May 14th, 2021. TPS 5 is a weekly recap of the latest in marketing, communications, and digital healthcare news as curated by the expert hosts of the Touchpoint Media Network. To learn more about Touchpoint Media, visit us online at touchpoint.health. Our lead story this week is from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University, which shared the results of a study about how regulating hospital prices can impact patient care. Healthcare in the U.S. is expensive and growing ever more so by the day. By one measure, healthcare spending has climbed to $3.8 trillion in 2019, or $11,582 per person, more than doubling since 2000. American policymakers and patients across the political spectrum generally agree that rising healthcare prices are a concern, but the question of how to slash them has spurred debate. Some argue for the expansion of the government's public health care option, i.e. Medicare for all, which would pay for hospitals and other providers at a substantially lower price than private insurers currently do. Others have called on direct health care price regulation. A new paper co-authored by Kellogg professors Amanda Stark, Greg Garthwaite, and Christopher Odie, formerly a research assistant professor at Kellogg, focused on answering that question. Would regulating hospital prices in order to lower prices impact the quality of the services that hospitals provide? The underlying theory behind the paper is if hospitals with a greater ability to draw higher-paying, privately insured patients would offer demonstrably higher quality services than those who patients' bases were largely publicly insured and thus paid less for those services. The reason for this, the researchers believed, was that hospitals with higher-paying patients made more investments in quality in order to differentiate themselves and to strengthen their relationships with private insurance networks. The paper's finding suggests that these theories were exactly right and followed a consistent pattern. Across all quality measures, higher scores were associated with a higher share of potential private patients. Additionally, there was evidence that hospitals that expect to court more private patients make costly investments in quality initiatives. This becomes an important input into the conversation that I think we're going to have to have after the pandemic ends about healthcare reform, says Garthwaite. We don't want to keep having this argument that high prices are high just because hospitals are getting extra profits they shouldn't get, as opposed to recognizing that hospitals are making investments to attract patients. Those two interpretations have very different implications for what might happen in response to widespread use of price regulation. To quantify the actual quality of a given hospital, the researchers built six quality measures. A hospital compare composite score, which drew from a government-run website that offers various types of data points on how hospitals stack up. A measure that captured emergency department wait times, which also came from government data. A measure based on the data from the American Hospital Association's annual survey that measures the adoption of technology related to birth, cardiology, diagnostic imaging, radiation therapy, and transplantation, a measure based on data from Medicare's 2011 hospital service area file to see which hospitals were most preferred by Medicare patients who don't face insurance network-based restrictions, the percentage of a hospital's cardiologist who had graduated from a medical school ranked in the top 25 of the U.S. News and World Report, and the AMI survival per real resource which aims to capture productivity by dividing patients' health outcomes by the resources devoted to them. 
By using so many different measures, the researchers sought to rule out the possibility that their results were unwittingly capturing a relationship other than the one they sought to explore. In other words, it's, very high, it's highly unlikely that the hospitals deemed low quality across the board in the researchers' measures are simply those with sicker patients. Some quality measures looked at were dependent on outcomes, and some were not. We look at risk-adjusted mortality for heart attack, and we also look at technology adoption. In the latter case, the type of patient doesn't matter, just did you invest in this fancy machine or not, Stark explained. The results from the research paper confirmed that hospitals with higher shares of potential private patients consistently demonstrated higher quality in all measures, and the reverse was also true among hospitals that drew most publicly insured patients. The researchers estimate that with every standard deviation increase in a hospital's predictive non-private patient share, mortality increased by 1.5%. In short, places that have more opportunity to earn money from quality make costly investments in quality, summarized Garthwaite. Now, to help verify this, the team reviewed hospital accounting margins as documented in Medicare hospital cost reports, and they found that the hospitals whose expected patients were largely private insured would have both narrower Medicare accounting margins since the cost of providing care would be higher for hospitals that had made large investments in quality, and higher prices paid by private payers, which helped offset the cost of the hospital's investments. While the prices might be different depending on a patient's insurance type, hospitals were required to deliver the same quality of care regardless, and hospitals expecting to serve more privately insured patients were more likely to make big investments toward the quality of their offerings. Garthwaite says he and his co-authors chose to tackle this particular project because they believe it's important to be clear-eyed about the potential impacts of legislation that would transform healthcare markets. I don't think our paper says that we shouldn't have Medicare for all, he says, but it does suggest that as part of the conversation about regulated prices, we should be talking about this quality trade-off more than I think is currently happening in the policy debate. And you can read more of this study in our show notes. And now, other stories from this week. NPR reports that for some anti-vaccine advocates, misinformation is part of a business. Many anti-vaccine advocates with a business on the side promote false claims about the dangers vaccines pose while selling treatment, supplementals, or other services. Their potential market is roughly 20% of Americans who do not want to get vaccinated against the coronavirus. Nursing execs dish on the digital health tools they found most useful during the pandemic in a recent Healthcare IT news article. RNs from around the country say telehealth, mobile apps, and yes, even electronic health records have been integral to providing seamless patient care at their organizations. Wired Magazine shares how the vaccine emoji gets a new look. Originally designed as a syringe, this emoji is becoming more popular as people get vaccinated. Apple's latest redesign reflects this evolution. Lastly, be sure to check out the latest Health Soothsayers podcast, which features Bonnie Clipper's interview with Dr. Karen Giuliani, Associate Professor at UMass Amherst Institute for Applied Life Sciences and the College of Nursing. In the podcast, they talk about how nurses can impact the design, development, and inventions that will reshape healthcare. And you can find all of these stories in our show notes. And that's it for this week's TPS 5. If you like the latest in healthcare news and an email delivered weekly to your inbox, be sure to subscribe to the TPS Report, which you can sign up for on the Touchpoint Media website at touchpoint.health. Stay safe, be positive, and have a great week.